when it looks more like, hey, I'm in the mood for a sandwich, would you mind making me a sandwich? And they go, uh, I just am not super in the mood to eat sandwiches right now. I'm not hurt. My feelings are not hurt. My self-worth is not hurt. And I can go make my own sandwich. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Hello and Goodbye. It's just me for the intro today. For those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. My name is Leanna. My co-host Jared will be back on the episode next week. And just a little teaser, we will be talking about love languages, which I'm so excited about. So make sure to tune in next week. But today I have a very special guest on. Her name is April Davis. She is the creator of the Vagina Blog and the host of the Vagina Blog podcast. And our conversation today is all about sex, healthy sexuality for both women and men. So make sure to stay tuned. I'm just going to give you guys a quick update of what's going on in my life, and then we will get right into the main episode. So for those of you who are new to the podcast, or maybe this is the first episode you've listened to in a while, I'm currently in a dating coaching program with Dr. Morgan. You can find her on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And basically, the program was created for women. Um, it's an, with the ESL method, which is um, empowered, secured, and loved. So I've been doing so much work and I've been gaining so many tools to find that security within myself that this week, which is week seven, so I only have one more week after that, we are kind of manifesting all of those tools into how to then create co-security with another person, whether we're talking to someone currently or possibly in the future or already in a relationship. So that has been really great. I honestly cannot recommend this program enough, you guys. It is mind-blowing how much I've learned from it and I just I know that it's going to change my life in such a significant way. So if you are interested in the program, again, go visit at Dr. Morgan Coaching on Instagram or www.drmorgancoaching.com. Feel free also to send me a DM if you have any specific questions about it, and I'm more than happy to answer them. Okay, just a quick update on my dog, Olive. A couple episodes ago, I had discussed her injury with you guys. She is due for surgery on her knee July 22nd. So please keep us in your thoughts and prayers. It's going to be a long road after that, eight weeks of trying to get her not to run and jump. And um, she has so much energy. So I know she'll be on some sedatives, but it's really hard to watch. Basically, she's my child to watch um, anyone or any animal go through pain and not be able to tell them why they're in pain. So first of all, thank you guys so much for those who have donated towards her surgery. Because of you guys, 75% of the cost of all of surgery has been covered. And I am honestly so humbled and so grateful. If you'd like to be a part of helping Olive with the surgery and you're able to donate financially, you can Venmo me at Leanna, L-E-A-N-N-A-Joan, J-O-A-N. If you're not able to donate financially, please don't feel pressure. Please don't feel guilty. Just, just send us some well wishes and send us your love and I will keep you guys updated. And then a quick plug for my Patreon account. If you guys want to subscribe to my Patreon account and be a supporter of the Hive, where the H&G Hive, you can become a supportive bee, which is the $3 tier and just, you know, have a small donation come towards the podcast every month, or you can be a This Be Be Hustlin supporter and get bonus episodes. So right now there are three bonus episodes on my Patreon account. The first bonus episode talks about how I even got this podcast started, kind of uh, how I went about it, why it happened. The second episode is about three 
different stories of meeting three different guys at this local hotel. One of the funniest stories I've ever told ever is in that episode. And then the third episode I just recorded last week with Jared. And the episode talks about a recent experience I had with a guy I met on Bumble just two weeks ago that I'm not going to discuss publicly on the main podcast. So to hear that story, you have to subscribe to my Patreon account. It's called Turn On The Mic, number three, oops. (laughs) So anyway, if you're interested, go to www.patreon.com slash hello and goodbye podcast. Okay, one more update. I did meet someone else from Bumble. I met him last weekend. We met for a picnic in the park. We played cards. We had great conversation. We hung out the following day. He made me dinner. We watched a movie. We are meeting for breakfast this week. And guys, it just, it feels a little different. It feels more natural. It doesn't feel forced. It feels like we are on the same page pacing wise. And it feels very comfortable for me to set boundaries if I need to. He is very reassuring as far as what I've seen. Obviously, it's very new. um, But I really, from what I've seen, I really like his character. I really like who he is as a person. And I'm I guess what I can say at this point is I'm just excited to continue to get to know him. And I'm very confident that he's also excited to continue to get to know me. So I will keep you guys updated. I'm sure there will be a much more detailed update next week when um, I record with Jared. So I guess you guys will just have to come back next week to see. All right. I just want to talk about a partner really quick. You know, vaginal health is so important. And this partnership is very personal to me because I have experienced chronic bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections for a significant amount of time. And this company called VFresh makes vaginal self-care simple. It empowers women to take charge of their vaginal needs. The founder knew that there was a more effective option than antibiotics and created her own line. So there's a few products here. The V Cleanse is a pharmaceutical grade pure boric acid. It balances the vaginal pH, reduces and controls yeast and bacterial infections. And then if you tend to suffer from UTIs or you want to be preventative, you can also find V-Tract, which maintains, flushes, and clears urine impurities while promoting healthy urinary tract function for long-term wellness. And I can say that I've used both of these products and I love absolutely love both of them. And I do know they have a new product up on their website as well. So to go check them out, you can go to www.vfresh.com. V is spelled V-E-E. Use code all capitalized hello 2020 to receive 10% off your order. With all that said, we are ready to go into the episode. Enjoy you guys. And uh, here we go. All right, you guys, I'm so excited to welcome my next guest. She is the founder of the Vagina Blog and host of the Vagina Blog podcast. Please welcome April Davis. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Um, We were just talking about you. You have a very busy life. (laughs) (laughs) And I would love for you to just kind of say a little bit about yourself um, and maybe how you got started with the vagina blog and, and everything from there. Yes. Um, I'm busy because I have these three children and they sent them home and they want me to just raise them and take care of them myself. And <sighs> Imagine. have you been homeschooling since March? Yes. And we're on summer and I think we're going to be homeschooling again this fall because with our school system, I'm like, that's not anything to send them back to. And you're just going to end up having them do distance learning anyway. So we might as well just declare ourselves homeschoolers. Yeah, I know <laughs> it's crazy. And it's just getting worse too. So where, where do you live? I'm in Southern Utah. Oh, okay. And yeah. are you married? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. My husband's okay. here and yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that way. I've been married for 15 years. So wow, that's amazing. And how yeah. old are your kids? That's, I have an almost 11 year old, an eight year old and a three year old. Wow. So you have your hands full. Yes. <laughs> okay. So how, how long has the vagina blog been going? So the vagina blog has been going, I'm probably I'm two and a half years in. Okay. Two and a half years in. And it seems like it's a pretty big hit. Yeah. It's, I think we need the information so badly. Um, we don't talk about it enough. We don't have a foundation. I think that's the other thing that's so difficult is, you know, so I'm 35. I'm looking at fellow 35 year olds. They have no foundation of, of, you know, like the sex ed that we received was so basic, so anatomical, and so like almost scary. Like it was a lot of like, if you don't do this, you'll get gonorrhea and die type stuff. Yeah. And so, so I, I just think we're missing this weird, we have this gap in knowledge. And I think everyone wants to fill that gap. They, they want to know, they want to know all the things we want to know about how to better manage our period. And we want to know about how to have a more enjoyable sex life and, and everything in between, you know? Yeah. And I can absolutely relate because I grew up conservative Christian mm -hmm. and we just didn't talk about it. I mean, I remember yeah. my mom sat down with me like with a book one time mm -hmm. and then sex ed in school was so ridiculous. And yeah then it was just kind of like, don't have sex before marriage and then figure it out. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is, you know, people say that like, I grew up conservative Christian. We all did. Whether or not we observed the religion in our households, that's the baseline for like what we learn in school. It's, you know, we have these very Puritan roots here in the United States and that's really driven what kind of education we've received around any of this. And it's so frustrating <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and it gives it it's almost like underlying misogyny a little bit okay. that like you know that men can do whatever they want and then women have these expectations and mm -hmm. um okay so what are like you kind of said this a little bit but what are the main topics that you talk about in your blog and now in your podcast so we talk a lot about periods and cycles and the menstrual cycle. We talk a lot about sex and orgasms and what's normal. I also love to sneak in. So I didn't go over, my background is in birth actually. Oh. And yeah. Like, like, um, like a midwife. So I actually worked as a birth assistant to a nurse midwife and okay. then I worked as a doula and a birth photographer. And so that is where my roots are. That's my foundation is birth. And so I tried to sneak some birth in, but when I started the vagina blog, I didn't, I think sometimes people just go straight to birth and it really, I don't want to say ostracizes, but it kind of does. Anybody who's not pregnant or having a baby at the time, they maybe mm -hmm. don't take interest in that like they would if it was broader. Mm -hmm. So my goals for the vagina blog were to make it broader and then sneak some of the birth and the breastfeeding stuff in, mm. which I loved doing because I've reached an audience that maybe would never have been exposed to some of the, the information around birth and breastfeeding otherwise, except for, you know, when they found themselves pregnant one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can relate to that because I don't even know if I'm going to have kids. So I appreciate, and I listened to your episode about orgasms because I, that is something that I, so I didn't orgasm until I was like 25 and it was because yeah. my friend sent me a vibrator and I was married and yeah. like, you know, like my, my ex and I, like we, it was very uncomfortable. Like I tried talking about sex and it was a very uncomfortable thing and mm -hmm. I never masturbated. So I yep. didn't know my body or like yep. even really, this is kind of embarrassing to say, but like what the clitoris was. That's not embarrassing. That is a complete failure on your parents' part, on our society's part, on our education system's part. And that, that's what's so frustrating is we're all walking around with this shame and this embarrassment around like not knowing these things. When was that information ever provided to you? Right. I mean, you really have to seek it out. Yeah. And I still feel like I don't really understand it. I mean, like I've only, I mean, I've been with a few partners, but I mean, I was married for eight and a half years. We never figured it out. And I yeah. had one ex-boyfriend for three months. We never really figured it out, you know? And so like, so yeah, I kind of, I wanted to like 
dive in and talk about how to create healthy sexuality, especially Mm -hmm. with women. And, you know, I probably have a majority of women listeners, but I do have quite a few male listeners. And so I want them to be able to understand too, from like our side, kind of what's going on in our head and in our bodies. And we don't even know. So how are they supposed to know? You know, that's the biggest thing. If we don't even know, how are they supposed to know? They don't have vulvas. They don't have vaginas. Like how, how are they supposed to know? And I feel like there's a lot of pressure on men to like make the woman orgasm, but it doesn't really work that way because Mm -hmm. like, first of all, like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming penetrative orgasms don't happen as often as clitoral orgasms. That totally depends on the person, but yes, statistically speaking, that is the case. Okay. And, and then like, you know, it's like when you say like, okay, yeah, I'm not orgasming a lot. It's almost like people automatically blame the man. Like, well, what is he doing wrong? But really it's just a lack of information about your body and maybe some factors like stress and um, like, um, like anxiety when it comes to sex or pressure and all of that. So I don't know. How do you want to kind of start with that in terms of like creating a healthy sexuality for women? I think the biggest thing that we need to maybe grab onto and remember is that your orgasm is your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think women are told that often enough. And it's really frustrating because when it comes to sex, it feels like a lot of it is our responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Our orgasm is our responsibility. Not getting pregnant is our responsibility. Like it can kind of be a little overwhelming sometimes, but your orgasm is your responsibility. And when I say that, it doesn't mean that I don't think your partner can help you get there. Obviously mm-hmm. that, that needs to be, you know, part of their job as well. It's, it's all fun for everybody involved. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but it is your job to try and learn, learn how to get into a mindset and a headspace where you are open to having an orgasm. I really don't think we talk about that enough. Mm-hmm. Um, learn how to say yes or to say no when things are not working when they are never ever ever fake orgasms ever Mm. ever that it just should never happen all you're doing is giving your partner evidence that the thing that they're doing is working when you fake an orgasm Mm. you are lying to your partner about the most intimate part of like your lives And on top of it, like I said, you're giving them this feedback. So now they are learning, oh, if I do this, they'll have an orgasm. And obviously we're we're speaking, you know, to really traditional um, gender roles here, male and female. Right, of course. Yes. That is such a brutal thing to do to your partner. It's such a horribly intimate area to lie. It's Mm -hmm. just not okay to lie to your partner in that way anyway. And then beyond it, you're only hurting yourself in the long run because you're just teaching your partner how to not give you an orgasm. Yeah, absolutely. Can we talk about orgasms a little bit and kind of like some tips and tools? I'm a big fan of when it comes down to any of this, going curious. Mm-hmm. We sometimes really go into, uh, you know, sexual experiences, very goal oriented. And instead of like having an orgasm be the goal, I always recommend follow pleasure. What feels good? Mm-hmm. What is feeling nice? What's working? What's, you know, follow pleasure and going curious and be willing to say to your partner, mm, no, that's not working. Or, Ooh, I love that. Keep kind of moving with that. Ooh, what if we tried this? What if we tried this toy? What if we tried this type of stimulation? What if we tried this position with this toy? What if we, there's so many options. And if you go into it really curious and open, um, I feel like you're in a much better headspace to have things kind of work out. And it doesn't mean that you're going to have an orgasm every single time. It might just be like, Ooh, remember how we were kind of playing with this last time? I want to play with that more. I want to go down this path more and see if like, what if we did this and this, you know, Um, I reference the book come as you are a lot. It's by Emily Nagoski. She is incredible. The book is incredible. It's so helpful. She talks a lot about um, about this, this being in this type of headspace going into it um, and being curious and following pleasure. She also talks a lot about having about libido. We talk so much about it being a sex drive when in reality, it's more of an accelerator and a break. 
Mm. Some people have a very sensitive break. So it might be, yes, I'm in the mood, but all this one thing turned on my break. This, mm-hmm. you know, I can't stop thinking about laundry break. Can't stop thinking about kids not being asleep quite yet break, you know, or we might have a really sensitive accelerator. Like, Ooh, the wind hit me just right. I'm ready to go right now. Mm-hmm. Some people have both. They have an, an easy accelerator, but also a very sensitive break. And some people have neither. They're both really dull and it's super easy for them to go one way or the other. And so everyone's a little bit different. And we're all different through all different seasons of our life too. As I've, you know, been pregnant, gone through postpartum, had kids, like it's birth controls I've been on everything else. Like it's changed me as a sexual critter throughout my life. You know, I've had a completely different libido. So we have to recognize that we might have to surf through all different seasons as well and be willing to go and curious. This is a, a life skill that you may have easy orgasms right now and things might go great, but after that birth of your first kid or the death of a, a loved one or X, Y, and Z that's naturally going to happen to you in your life, you may have to find that again. So having the skill set of going and curious and of learning, it's always going to serve you. Mm-hmm. One, uh, what would your advice be for maybe partners who they've never had conversations about sex and now they want to have conversations about sex and maybe the guy is a little sensitive has a little bit of kind of that male ego what's it called the fragile ego or whatever like what are some good ways to bring up those conversations without offending the partner or um you know kind of creating like strife in the relationship um i think it's just really important to just do it. Rip off the band-aid and have the discussion and don't do it at 11 o'clock at night when someone has a boner. Do it at lunch in public. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's the problem is everyone tries to have this discussion at night when someone wants to have sex. It's not a good time to have a talk about your sex life. It's just not. That's You're tired. You, I don't think straight when I'm aroused either. You know what I mean? It's, it's not that's not a good time to talk about your sex life. A good time to talk about it is at lunch when you can't have sex with each other mm-hmm. because you're getting aroused about what you're talking about and actually talk it all the way through and say, Hey, I am struggling in this area, or I really would like to try this, or this is not working for me, but maybe this will work for me. Or I have some ideas. Or, I want to talk to you about how are you feeling about our sex life? What could we be doing better? What could, you know, and I'm a big fan compromise. Maybe there's stuff that they'd like to do that you're not doing that you could put on the table. You know what I mean? Like work, work through some of those things. The thing that's great about talking to your partner about sex, when you get comfortable talking to your partner about sex, you now are so much better prepared to talk to your kids Mm. about sex Mm. because you've used the word penis and vulva and vagina, and you've had conversations with the, about those body parts and about these acts and these things. So when your kids start to ask about mom, what is a blowjob? What does that mean? You can be like, well, let me explain it to you in completely normal terms. Cause I'm well-practiced in talking about this stuff. What would be some things not to say? That's a really great question. And here's another thing. I cannot recommend seeing a sex therapist enough. If you feel like this is a difficult conversation or something you just don't quite know how to dive into and you just can't quite do it, go to a sex therapist. Mm. Go, go, even a marriage and family therapist is going to have some great insight and be able to, to mediate between you guys and talk things through. Um, in my early marriage, I found us in marriage counseling and I'm so, so glad that we went and sex was a big topic for us in, mm-hmm. in counseling. And it was great because our counselor was able to kind of give us some words and some goals mm-hmm. and, um, and talk us through some of those things, which helped us then be able to mm-hmm. talk about them together in a way that was very respectful and uh, productive, mm-hmm. most importantly. Um, so I that's that's what I would recommend because that's that, this is where I'm I mean I know a lot I've read a lot I've talked to a lot of sex therapists and worked through things but I still I'm not a sex therapist and I cannot recommend them enough okay yeah I would and I would love to have a sex therapist on the show too I think that'd be so amazing yeah. um incredible okay let's talk about the g-spot Okay. So I think a lot of people, including myself, don't really understand where it is, um, how to find it, 
what to do with it. Um, so can we just kind of explain maybe the, like, just the basics of it? Sure. Something to, so I teach a lot about menstrual cycle and your, the makeup of your vagina and your cervix, they all kind of shift around as you go through your cycle. Hmm. So there may be a week of the month where you're like, oh my gosh, like this type of stimulation feels amazing. And a lot of times we don't click in that it's because our cervix is more accessible or our, because our cervix moves and changes and pulls forward and pulls back. And, and like that whole tunnel of our vagina changes as we cycle, right? Hmm. And so if you start to take note of where you're at in your menstrual cycle and what type of stimulation felt good during that time, you might be able to piece together and go, oh, I like cervical stimulation or I, you know what, that G spot area is so much more sensitive during these two weeks of my cycle and not as accessible or, or as easily stimulated during these two weeks. Like, so it's interesting that we can even kind of sync some of this up with our cycle. So mm -hmm. what are the weeks typically where like the cervix is tighter? <laughs> That's on you. So it's not that it's tighter necessarily. It's that it's easier to access. Um, it pulls back while we're ovulating um, but might feel extra good because typically during ovulation, sex as a whole, any sort of stimulation just feels better and more amazing. And is you're typically more easily stimulated and aroused while you're ovulating. Um, it pulls forward while we menstruate so that we can menstruate. And so for some people, they love sex on their period. They love that cervical stimulation that goes with it. It feels so good. Others hate it. It's too much there's too much going on in there, don't want penetration. And that would be a great time for things like maybe mutual masturbation, um, oral, uh, other things that you could be doing as a, as a team <laughs> or by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what are some ways to stimulate the G spot? Um, there are some fantastic toys out there that are specifically made too. I'm a huge fan of the Ioba. It's called the OMG. Um, it's a wand style, but it has a little pearl on it. And it's made for once you insert it, you push the button and the pearl does almost like a come here type motion. Mm. Um, and so that is, that's, that's the classic G spot stimulation is the come here motion. You can also put pressure down on your pubic like bone. This? Like this? Yeah, like this, but it's more like this. So like a guy could mimic that with his finger. Exactly. It's a great yeah. thing for a partner to do. <laughs> yeah. And so it's much easier for sure. And then pressure on that pubic bone. We don't always realize that that can help kind of uh, enhance whatever stimulation you're doing at the same like time. In terms of like a hand on top yeah. and then the, mm -hmm. <laughs> I really want this video to turn out so people can see this. Oh yeah. Well, and here's another, um, I, did some promotion work for a company called Beducated. They are fantastic. I cannot recommend them enough. It is videos of like, here is what clitoral stimulation looks like. Here are a whole bunch of techniques for clitoral stimulation. And you get to see the person stimulating themselves. You can also see a partner stimulating. So you can see they have an entire, they have an entire video course that goes just with like, external vulva they have an internal um or g-spot type stuff they have one on anal stimulation and then they also have like lingam massage like different types of stimulation you could do on a male partner as well mm. there is <laughs> that's what i'm most excited about never mind <laughs> right? so interesting but the thing that i like about it it's very um educational like it's it's a real human that you're looking at but like the 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 videos are really helpful in terms because sometimes we need to see it you can read all day long and i can tell you all day long how to do different types of stimulation but when you actually see what it looks like i think that sometimes can be the click for a lot of people mm. like oh i need to try that mm. i really appreciated um is it have you watched the goop series yet mm -mm. it's on netflix I think it's on Netflix. So the third episode, go find this, you guys. It's so, so educational. Um, I have mixed feelings about Goop and Gwyneth and all of it, but this particular episode was very, very, very helpful. She uh, meets with a very famous sex therapist who actually shows on the video, like 
this is the technique that I use that has helped women who have never had orgasms have orgasms. And this Mm. is how it works. And this is what it looks like. And you actually get to see what they're doing Mm -hmm. and and how it works. And it's so useful. Like that knowledge is so cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's on Netflix. And then the other one was Bedjumicated. Bedjumicated. Educated, but with a bed on the, so bed educated. I know. Is that a, like a website? It's a website and you can sign up for all the different courses and they have a ton of different courses, but the ones particularly about vaginal stimulation as a whole are so it's all yoni massage and, and things like that, but it's so interesting and very helpful to get to see it because I feel like I'm fairly familiar with a lot of things and I still learn so much mm. um, watching a lot of their stuff and it's frustrating because a lot of times you know when you hear that people are like why well, I've seen porn porn is not a good teacher porn is not where you should be going to learn the things it's just not it's it's there for other reasons it's not a good education yeah I, I'm not a huge fan of porn and I was going to yeah, I, I just feel like it, it, I mean, okay, granted, I haven't really watched a lot, but from mm-hmm. what I've heard and, and from my experiences with men who I think have watched a lot of porn, there's like things that are learned that women don't want or don't like. And it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of, again, it, it kind of feeds into misogyny a little bit of mm-hmm. like, treating a woman like this sexual object versus having like a pleasurable experience together. And I mean, it's typically made for men, right? Because it's kind of this dominant thing. Mm -hmm. I can't count the number of guys that have put their hand on my neck without Mm -hmm. asking like right Mm -hmm. away, right away. And it's like maybe like with a partner that I've been with for a while that I feel really comfortable yeah. But like, no, you don't, don't do that. And, but no. that you get that from porn, you know, Emily Nagoski too, in come as you are talks about how a lot of what we do sexually is learned. The last thing you want to do is go learn the wrong stuff. And unfortunately I feel like porn perpetuates. I don't personally know a ton of women that like being strangled. Mm hmm. I just don't, I know that's something that some people do enjoy and it's not to knock them. It's just that I don't know that we should be going straight to that. But if you've seen it over and over and over again, depicted in pornography, it normalizes it in your brain. Mm-hmm. Same with all the other things that happen in porn that I would say, generally speaking, in my conversations with normal humans, that's not on their menu, you know? Yeah. Like the slapping of the face, the spitting in the mouth, the calling someone mm-hmm. a dirty whore. It, like nope. to me, that's so degrading as yep. a woman. I yep. like even like coming on someone's face. Yep. Like I just think that's so degrading. But there are some women out there that like to be degraded. Um, where did we learn that? Well, I agree. I agree. I think it's a. I think it's kind of a, a an insecurity. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not an insecurity, but like a, a pain that they're like reliving because they oh, feel 100%. 100%. Yeah. I mean, even from my own personal experience, I feel like when I was much younger, I wanted someone to be rougher with me. And now I look back and I'm like, I'm so grateful my husband never was and just isn't that type of person. But that really came from years of abuse, mm. you know? And so that that's what's so devastating is you know if if that's all we've seen and that's what we've been exposed to and that's what's been normalized to us of course that's what we're kind of looking for and so i would challenge so much of that and say can you recognize where you learn that and this is another reason that a sex therapist is not a bad idea Hmm. they may help you get to the root to some of these things um, and have a better understanding of maybe why you do or do not like the things that you want sexually or why you're trying to do the things that you are or, you know. So it's, mm-hmm. once again, I cannot recommend seeing a therapist enough in general. A sex therapist mm-hmm. is fantastic as well. Yeah. No, we're big on therapy on this podcast. Yep. I've seen therapists. I've seen her for years. I always tell everyone, every episode that I have, I've had two psychologists on, like everything is like 
go see a therapist. Just go see a therapist, guys. Yeah. It's going to fix everything. But like, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. What, what do you, do you have any advice to them, to men who watch a lot of porn? And, um, <laughs> what'd you say? Stop. <laughs> I like, what about men who can only get off like one way or one position or, um, they, they're starting to lose a little bit of their, um, like sex drive, you know, cause I think a lot of men feel pressure as well. So do you have any advice for them? So I would love to even speak to like a mixed libido relationship. My husband and I are opposites. I have a much higher libido than my husband. And I think it's a really difficult place to be because as a female, I'm not supposed to be this way, quote, quote, right? Mm -hmm. And neither is he. So he feels like something's wrong with him. I feel like he doesn't desire me enough. And then we just end up in just a mess. And Mm -hmm. the more I've opened up about this on the vagina blog, the more I have found my people. It is so Mm -hmm. interesting how many women I've had come forward and go, I'm not the only one going through this. My husband's not the only one with a lower libido. Because every time I bring it up, people are like, oh, he needs to go have a hormone panel. He's broken. And I'm like, actually, his hormones are totally fine. He actually has high testosterone. This is just who my husband is and this is who I am. And that's okay. We have been so culturally conditioned to believe that men are gross horn dogs and women are sweet, darling, not interested in sex, but creatures to look at and be pleasured with. Mm -hmm. And so this turns all of that up upside down completely. Like, that's that's not my reality at all and it's not the reality of a lot of people and I, the more we kind of start to talk about this it's really awesome to kind of hear like okay so we're not alone there's actually a large number that are going through this it makes me feel really bad for the men going through it um it also has given me a lot of perspective in terms of being the higher libido partner and what that looks like and so when speaking to men, a couple of things that have really helped me not maybe get my feelings hurt as badly and be respectful mm-hmm. um, is to A, make it really easy for my partner to say yes. And if you're the lower libido partner, tell your partner how to make it easy for them for you to say yes. So if my husband's in the middle of like a work project or something else, I don't go after him for sex. His head is somewhere else. He's going to say no, and it's going to hurt my feelings to get turned down. Hmm. And so even if I'm just really needing it so bad, it's just not a good time because it's just going to end up breaking everyone's heart in the situation. Hmm. And so this is, I tell guys, like, if you want it so, so, so bad and they're not into it, like, don't even just don't ask, like, but for the lower libido partner, that looks like making yourself available when you can. Mm-hmm. And then having this mutual respect. So for me, when I go to ask for sex, I have to look at it like I'm asking for a sandwich and not like I'm asking <laughs> for someone to love and accept me. Right. Because when we start to tie um, our sexual relationships so deeply into like our worth, which a lot of times we like to do, especially as a higher libido female, when that all gets tied together, it the rejection hurts so much worse. When it looks more like, hey, I'm in the mood for a sandwich would you mind making me a sandwich? And they go, "Mm, I just am not super in the mood to eat sandwiches right now. I'm not hurt. My feelings are not hurt. My self-worth is not hurt. And I can go make my own sandwich. (laughs) 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 And I think when you open that up, this is why this conversation, you got to go to lunch and have this conversation and say, Hey, I'm not getting as much sex as I would like. So what are we going to do? And a lot of times, my husband, especially when we were, before he had his vasectomy, he was really worried even about pregnancy all the time. High anxiety, worried about getting me pregnant always. Mm -hmm. And so for him, it was like, okay, so what if we do stuff where it really ensures that I'm not going to get pregnant? What if we masturbate together? What if we do oral? What if we do, you know, what are some, so this is the conversation of like, oh, you're, you're suffering from anxiety. You're not rejecting me. Your anxiety is so high that you don't want to have sex with me because you don't want to get me pregnant. What can we do that will for sure not get me pregnant, but we'll get both of us off and we'll be all happy in the end, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why this conversation is so important because if you don't have this conversation, it looks like a lot of sexual frustration for one partner and a lot of anxiety and frustration for the other partner and hurt feelings all around. First of all, I love 
all of what you just said. Um, I also think it's maybe more common than talked about that men sometimes don't finish when you're having sex. Yeah. So what, what would you say, first of all, to like men who we don't want to shame them if that happens, right? Sometimes that just doesn't happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen for women. Most of the time yeah, it, doesn't it doesn't happen. Like that's yeah. why we're here to chase pleasure. And yeah. you know what? Sometimes pleasure looks like your partner having an orgasm and you not having an orgasm. And it doesn't matter which partner that is. Like there have been a handful of times where I've been like, I don't have the mental capacity to get in the headspace to make this happen right now. Mm-hmm. But I would love to have sex with you. So you, I just need you to know going into it, I may not get there and that needs to be okay today, you know, yeah. and, and go into it that way. Or like, we've been there too, where we've been at it for like 45 minutes to an hour. We're both like rug burned and just like, I don't, this isn't, <laughs> this is nice, but we got to call it. <laughs> yeah. what, what is the optimal time? There isn't one. Whatever you feel like. Like it's, it's how, one of those things. Like we we gotta we keep trying to set boundaries on all this stuff. Not yeah. none of it exists. What feels good to you? You know, like you might be like, I love being strangled and I want jizz all over my face. Good, <laughs> <laughs> knock yourself out. <laughs> okay, you just said that. Yeah, but there... I, I'm not gonna argue with that. I don't. I want you to to enjoy your sex life, whatever that looks like. It might look like two minute sex and jizz all over your face cool <laughs> i mean sometimes you just gotta have like a quickie you know yeah. like sometimes that's super hot there is no optimal time i would say except for parents and the optimal time is like as quick as you can because <laughs> the dang kids <laughs> um is there like oh i know you said i'm um, to not set boundaries on these things but is there like how many times a week should couples try and have sex does it matter is it okay if they go a month without having sex are both of your sexual needs being met is everyone being honest about their sexual needs that's 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 those are the questions you need to ask Mm -hmm. because i you know for me i have like i don't want to say my requirements but just like here's about what i would love to have right here's here's what i and then it's meeting my partner with him going okay but here's what i would like to now where's the middle ground mm-hmm. some months we have more sex and some months we have less sex yeah depending on what you're going through in life totally in a relationship masturbation mm-hmm. um is that appropriate for uh, specifically like for me i think i would feel self-conscious if my partner was getting off to porn all the time by himself so Mm -hmm. when is masturbation appropriate in a relationship how often you know what are your thoughts on that i think that is between you and your partner um we choose not to consume porn in our relationship and it's funny because people are like oh your husband's lying to you and i'm like but he's really not like it's just not super something we're into we are also we have a very open policy on masturbating i have no problem and i've told him like if the wind hits you right in the shower knock yourself out i just as long as like we're you're meeting my sexual needs and i'm meeting your sexual needs masturbation is fully on the table in our relationship but that's a decision that we've made you know, with each other. Um, I know for other couples and it's hard, people really like to marry masturbation and pornography to each other. And I very heavily argue that those two things are not married to each other. Mm -hmm. You can so easily have a healthy relationship with masturbation that does not involve pornography at all, Mm -hmm. which I've been really surprised to learn that not a lot of people know and understand that we've really tried to put those two things together. But my argument is, a hundred years ago, porn didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Humans were still masturbating. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. like if you wanted part, you had to like go to a live show and stuff, right? It just wasn't accessible like it is now. But masturbation was part of a healthy sex develop healthy sexual development, right? So we don't need porn to masturbate. Yeah. Don't feel like we need porn to masturbate. And and I would almost argue too. Go masturbate without porn, see where it takes you, because it could be really fun. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a great, you know, um, it's a great way to get to know yourself. It doesn't have to be something that you do alone. Mutual masturbation is super fun. Mm-hmm. I totally you know, agree. Mm-hmm. 
So, so explore all of that, explore why you believe what you believe around that and what your feelings really are. Um, I think once again, it's another area to going curious, see why you believe what you do or think the way that you do and, uh, and play with stuff. But I don't know. I'm, I'm a big advocate for getting away from pornography consumption either way. And if you are going to consume it, are you paying for it? Because mm-hmm. we put a lot more value into the things that we pay for. And when you pay for pornography, you know that it's been ethically created and sourced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that's another thing that I a plug that I'd like to kind of put in here too. If you want to consume porn, pay for your porn. Mm-hmm. You will then have a different attitude towards it, I think. Mm-hmm. So I actually always, when I start talking to a guy, at some point, I always ask, do you watch porn? Yeah, And most of the guys, like 95% say, yeah. And they say, well, how often do you watch it? And then they'll tell me. And then I say, well, is that the only thing that you masturbate to? Mm-hmm. And if it is, for me, that is a, a little bit of like, uh, I don't know, because then is that what you're thinking about if we were to have sex? You know, or is that the only way you can get off? Um, So I have have actually challenged a couple guys and one of them I was talking to, he's like, yeah, I haven't been watching porn because you really like shed some light on how it really is a horrible representation of how men treat women. Yeah. It really, it is. And um, I've also like, it's also, I've heard some, um, sex advice from um a male i don't remember where i heard it but he was saying like for men you don't want to masturbate the same way every time you know try using your imagination you know try using lube um you know to so that you're not only simulated in one way and i'm assuming for women that's probably the same thing as well Right. Well, one of the questions I ask as soon as I talk about toys is, can I get addicted to my vibrator? No and yes is kind of the answer. If you are finding that you cannot get off any other way, but you could before, mm-hmm. right? Um, maybe take a break or mm-hmm. switch up your toys. Try a different toy. Um, and, and for people who have asked too, like, I'm only orgasming with my vibrator. You know what? Thank heavens. We have vibrators. Let's just be grateful. Let's have a little gratitude practice around vibrators because (laughs) how great is that? I mean, it gets, it's so frustrating. People really love to put shame on toys and go, Oh, I don't need those. And I'm like, it's not always a need. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's exploration. And you know what? Sometimes it is a need. And do you really want me to never have orgasms again if that was my need? Mm-hmm. And as soon as people are faced with that, it kind of helps them just re-swallow those awful words that they said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm done. I'm done with the shame around all of it. I'm done with people being judgy. It doesn't make any sense. Everyone deserves orgasms. Everyone deserves a good time and to have like a sexually healthy, beautiful relationship. And if that looks like incorporating a toy or a vibrator and that helps you get there, yeah. why are we sad? Why yeah. would we be sad about that? I agree. So I'm curious of your thoughts on this. So I told a few men that I had been talking to that you know, um, I can only come with a vibrator. That's just Mm -hmm. how I've, it's always been for me and, um, how I would love to someday, if I'm in a committed relationship, explore and try other things. But for right now it works, it gets the job done. And, you know, multiple of them have said, like, I'm going to change that. What it does is it makes me feel like, there's something wrong with me. Like they're saying like, I'm going to change that. And so now there's pressure on me that it needs to be changed. And then there's pressure, like if we were to have sex, that I'd be disappointing them. Right. That it's like this self-confidence thing on their part. Again, going back to like the pressure that the man's supposed to provide the orgasm or whatever. Um, So I don't know. What is your thought? What is your, what would be your, what would be your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? (laughs) <laughs> it's the morning. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> no, you're good. What would you say to a guy that said that to me that, Oh, I can't, you know, challenge accepted. We're going to, we're going to make it happen without it. It's hard because I, my sexual experience has been with a committed partner, mm-hmm. um, which comes with all of the vulnerability 
and intimacy of like a marriage, right? So it's I've I've slept with my husband and that's it. Mm. So this this is an area where I would be like, go see a sex therapist. This would be a good mm. conversation to have with a sex therapist who specializes in this. Um, because it, it's just not an area of expertise for me. And because that has been my experience and this is what I can speak to, I think it, I would probably struggle personally being with different partners that I wasn't intimately tied to in every other area of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have very close friends who have a completely different stories and have had this same struggle. So I, I would say that I don't think that this is unique at all. And I think it does come with, um, with being with partners. Cause I mean, my husband, by the time we got married, we'd been, we'd been dating a year, we got married, we were married to each other. So there's that very deep, like we're committed type of, of, uh, that's our framework, mm-hmm. you know? And so I invested in him too, in terms of like teaching him, like that would be a lot to do with multiple partners. That's a lot of learning. That's a lot of opening up. That's a lot of vulnerability. That's a lot to ask from someone. That's a lot to give to people more than one time. So I, it's funny. Cause I joke all the time. Like we can't get divorced because I don't want to have to teach someone else all the things. It's too, it's too hard and I'm too old and I'm too tired and we have these kids. And so we, we joke all the time that we vowed to kill each other before we get divorced. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and I totally understand what you're saying. And I will say this, you know, while I don't want to, um, I, I want to be sure that I'm not shaming any woman who no same that's the thing i I just can't speak to this because it's not my experience it's not a judgment thing at all absolutely and but but what i'm saying though is i agree with you like for me Mm -hmm. because i had been married and then i went through kind of this phase where i started to explore and Mm -hmm. different partners and then i found out very quickly that does not work for me um that i need that emotional intimacy um most people do male and female we don't want to face this we really want things to be tender easy and of course i'm sure there's some really like a lot of fun to be had in that but if you want like sexual development i do think that you need to a get into that relationship with yourself because the best like the most important sexual relationship you can ever have is the one that you have with your own body but b when you start to take on a partner that's a lot to invest in someone and a lot of vulnerability to share with someone that maybe you don't know. You don't know where that relationship's going yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, and I think also like there's a, if you sleep with someone and you're not emotionally intimate with them yet, there's almost this sense of anxiety or insecurity that comes afterwards that I think people don't really talk about. And I'm in a a dating coaching program right now. And we were kind of talking about this, how it's, if you sleep too soon, okay, just recognize it and then have a conversation with that person being like, Hey, that was really, that was really vulnerable for me. Um, it scares me a little bit. You know, I just kind of want to make sure we're in the same place if we have sex again, or maybe I need to wait a little bit, or I just needed to like voice that before that happened again. I think that's fair. It's really hard because I I think people avoid this topic. They like don't want to like, we want to pretend like sex is this really easy, casual, fun thing that we're all just can do and it's no big deal and it's fun and casual and fun. But for me, sex has been like a very core part of an extremely committed relationship, you know, that has deep and intimate and vulnerable and all these things. And so I do, I have a hard time picturing it being anything else. Cause that is what I know. And I, I can speak to the value in that. And so that's the other thing that's hard. Like I'm so grateful that this is the way that I've done it because I don't have some of the harm that can come. I mean, I'm missing out maybe on some of the fun, but I do think that there's a lot of harm that can come as well. Um, with being overly casual, like one of my very, very closest friends is like, I don't know. I don't know if I can stand by my lifestyle, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And so to hear her speak so candidly about that and just be like, there's pros and cons. And we never talk about the cons. We only talk about that. I'm super cool and fun because I'm totally okay with this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. I agree. And I think more people are not actually okay with it, but they're not saying it because society is telling us that it's fine. That it's like, it's, you should, you should go out and sleep with multiple partners and be, you know, casual sex is okay and all that. And I I just think I'm not necessarily going against that, but I think that, I think that it, 
hits people deeper than they know. Um, I okay. would agree. Yeah. That's been coming from a very limited standpoint I, of you yes. know, myself. Yeah. And I do, I mean, I do have girlfriends who can have casual sex and they're fine, you know? Yeah. Okay. I think that the last topic I want to kind of bring up, I've had a lot of women reach out to me asking me to talk about healthy body image. And I think this can come into play a lot with sexuality because a lot of totally. women, if they're not comfortable with their physical appearance or they're insecure about something that it can create like some, some blocks, some roadblocks mm-hmm. in terms of um, feeling confident to, ha- to start seeing a new partner or even confident in a relationship if maybe their bodies change. So I just kind of want to talk about that a little bit and get your opinion. Um, my first thoughts, you know, bringing this up, there's a couple, there's so many really like, for example, I've had people be like, yeah, this guy was like, well, if you're not completely clean shaven, I'm not into it. So your response should not be to go out and shave everything clean. Your response should be like, Oh, too bad for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, like stand by your body. If you don't like being clean shaven, you do not have to be clean shaven. If you do like it, knock yourself out. But if you don't and you're like, no, I'm a trimmer, I trim or I'm a full bush bush girl. If you don't like full bush, I'm so sorry. I I guess I'm not for you. So some of these very simple things, what do you actually like? Let's go find those Mm -hmm. and then find someone who will stand by them. And I think you can make some adjustments here and there, but when it comes down to it, that's the key. And, and that helps. Those are the the building blocks of starting to get away from the self-loathing that we've all normalized. Mm -hmm. Finding out what it is you like about yourself, what it is that you want to like, maybe you have short hair and you want to keep your short hair. Maybe you want to, you know, break out of these like perfection type of, you know, mentalities. Um, Every single male I've ever spoken to, I'm like, what's bad boobs? And they're like, there's no such thing. All boobs are good boobs. Mm-hmm. All boobs are good boobs. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes maybe, maybe even go into that with that type of mindset, like all boobs are good boobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if someone says otherwise, maybe that's not who you want to be having sex with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I love beauty redefined is one of my absolute favorite Instagram accounts to follow. If you are not following them, go follow them right now. They talk a lot about body neutrality and that is recognizing that your body is just a house for who you are. Hmm. It gets us away from this. Like I love all my flaws too. I don't need to care about my flaws. I don't, that's not what's important. What's important is that this body stays healthy and houses who I am. That's mm-hmm. what's important. People should be wanting to be with me, you know, and I should want to be with me and whatever the house looks like doesn't really matter because all it is, is a house. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's really stepping into that. And I, I would tell people the best place to start is to identify maybe where you are suffering from self-loathing or self-hatred break that, get away from that, fix that, work on that. Maybe it's not that you're in love with yourself, but you need to stop hating yourself. If you're Mm -hmm. exercising out of self-hate, maybe Mm -hmm. it's time to evaluate your exercise program. Mm -hmm. I love, I was really surprised going into the Taylor Swift documentary. I did not think I would love it so much, but watching it. It was so good. Right. But her, for her to be like, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be on the edge of like fainting and passing out and dying after every single day, after every single show. I just thought that that was, that that was normal, that that's, mm. you know, and once I've, now that I'm eating, mm. now that I'm not bone thin, I'm realizing like, you're not supposed to feel like that all the time. I mm. just thought that's how people felt all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff like that, recognizing like, I shouldn't feel like I'm going to die every time I work out. I shouldn't be working out because it's miserable and I hate it, but it's fixing my broken body that I hate. Mm-hmm. What's motivating your actions? You shouldn't feel hungry all the time. That's no way to live. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's all these types of things. You shouldn't be faking orgasms. You should be enjoying and, and chasing pleasure and having good sexual experiences with yourself, with your partners, that it, it should be so start to identify some of these areas where maybe self-loathing and self-hatred has become your normal mm-hmm. Fix that. get to a place of neutrality and if you end up falling in love with your flaws in the meantime and falling in love with yourself 
it's just the best. Like I went through serious eating disorders through high school and young adulthood. Um, when I got pregnant with my first, I have a disorder called hyperemesis gravidarum. So I can't keep food down while I'm pregnant. And it's the worst. So to fight for my life, I suddenly had this very healthy respect for my body. Like, holy cow, we're going through the worst thing ever, me and my body together. And like, you're, you're doing it, like you're surviving this. And then to go from that into like delivering her, I had a very empowering experience delivering her and then nursing her. I was like, I just survived nine months of no food. And somehow I'm now creating food for a whole nother person that I made with my body. Like it gave me this all new respect for my body. And I vowed that I would never mistreat my body the way that I had before. Cause at that point we'd been through so much together Mm. and it's sad that I needed to go through that much trauma in order to get there. Mm. And I would argue that it's so much better to just skip the trauma and just get there. (laughs) Do you, did you have that with every pregnancy? Yep. So how did you get nutrition? Um, my third, I actually ended up doing a pick line, which was really great. So that was like a uh, liquid for like, it was essentially like Gatorade straight to my veins. It was like, it's a central line. Um, and then that being hydrated like that. And then all the medication I was on kind of helped me, um, just kind of keep bits of food down here and there. You'd be amazed how little food you can survive on. <laughs> it's wow. so cool. But going through that three times and going through that period, it really does kind of slam the door on like, I'm done. I'm done hating myself. I'm done doing anything else because I feel like I need to keep up with some weird standard that doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. That's such a powerful message because I think oftentimes, well, especially with social media and what the new, the normal is of, you know, small waist, big ass fake mm-hmm. boobs, big mm-hmm. lips, um, you know, tight skin. And I mean, even right now, like I'm going through this kind of like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize how many wrinkles I had on my face, oh, yeah, like, same. you know? And it's like, well, I'm 33. I've been yep. through hell and back with mm-hmm. my divorce and yeah. trauma that I've been through. And like, yeah, like I've got some cellulite and maybe my abs don't show the way that I like them to, but but I exercise and I eat healthy and I'm trying not to feel guilty when I eat carbs and it's okay to have ice cream. And you know, it's like, um, I I just have to kind of like, it's every day you have to tell yourself like, um, that you, you, your body is like the shows your strength. Like it shows what you've been through. And like, if you start exercising and kind of eating better and you start seeing results, great. But like, you're right. You have to come to it first with that. You love your body. And yep. with, because if you come to it with like, you hate yourself, you'll never love it. You'll just never. Yeah, love oh, no. it. I've, I've lost the weight before. It doesn't change anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't fix anything. Um, it's nice to maybe have an easier time finding clothes. And that's about it for me. So that, that's the thing that's hard is I, I'm, I'm kind of at a crossroads right now too, where like for my health, I probably need to lose some weight. I have PCOS. It's like a whole thing. And so working through like, okay, what does this look like in a very healthful, loving way? Because I'm also like life, you get one life to live and that life needs to include chocolate cake. Like it doesn't feel right for it not to. Yes. And so I'm like, I never, I want to be healthy enough that I'm in a healthy range and where I'm supposed to be, but never ever so crazy that chocolate cake isn't part of my life. And mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I love that message. Well, Thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any like last words of advice or wisdom for my listeners about healthy sexuality or anything to do with sex or body image? I think the most important thing we really, as females especially, do not prioritize sexual health and happiness. Hmm. It's is not a priority it because it's swept under the rug as taboo and not worthy of our time and our energies. And I would like to challenge that Hmm. having enjoyable sex, getting off regularly, whatever that looks like for you is worthy of your time. It is worthy of the investment that it takes to figure out what that is, whether that's hiring a sex therapist, buying a toy, 
going to lunch to have the conversation about it. It's worthy. You are worthy of sexual pleasure and enjoyment in your life. It Mm -hmm. is completely something that you should pursue. Um, I think we're so quick to pursue every other diet that ever comes out ever. We'll buy the books on it. We'll read all the books. We'll buy all the food. We'll do all the things. We'll do the weird exercise programs. We'll hire a trainer. We'll do all that crap, right? Stop doing all that. Buy the sex books. Hire the sex therapist. <laughs> Buy the toys. Yeah. You know, pursue this and fall in love with yourself. Fall in love with your partner. Fall in love with sex. Have fun with it because it is so completely worth it. Find ways to make it easy for yourself. Find ways to make it easy for your partner. Whatever that looks like. And a lot of times, too, that looks like hiring a babysitter and going away for a weekend. That looks like going out on regular dates. You know, whatever it takes to romance yourself, too. Mm-hmm. For me, I wish my husband would plan a date night and take me out every Friday night and I didn't have to worry about it. He, It's just not in his... It won't happen. Mm-hmm. When I'm on the date, I'm never sad that I'm the one that hired the babysitter and picked out the restaurant and made it happen. When I get there, I'm not sad that it was me and not my husband. I'm glad I'm on a date and mm-hmm. it contributes to me having a healthy sex life. Mm-hmm. So it's some of these things like take responsibility for some of this, realize that it's worth it and do it and never, ever fake orgasms. Never. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. I really appreciate all of your wisdom and I'm so excited for my listeners to hear this. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. I can't, I can't wait to continue to um, kind of listen to your podcast and read about your blog. And I love all the resources, resources that you gave as well. So thank you again. Yeah, no problem. Thank you again, April, for coming on. That was such a pleasure. Um, you guys, you can find April on Instagram at the vagina blog. You can also find her at www.thevaginablog.com. Um, and then you can listen to her at the vagina blog podcast. So make sure to check those things out. And then please make sure to follow me on Instagram at underscore Leanna Joan at hello and goodbye podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review on Apple podcasts. It really helps every time a new rating comes in. So click that five-star rating and I will see you guys next time. Bye.